Hello, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I am Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. The horrific war in Europe continues to rage. The Russian military is stuck in the Ukraine mad, both literally and figuratively, and Putin is stepping up the shelling of civilian population centers. There are also reports of intense negotiations between the two sides. The main negotiations are, di- are direct between Russian and Ukrainian teams, but other international mediators are also involved. The leading political middlemen, as far as we know, are Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Up until six, seven months ago, such mediation efforts would have set off a battle of credit between the Israelis and the Turks, between Jerusalem and Ankara. But times have changed. Israeli President Yitzhak Herzog has just returned from a state visit to Turkey, the first top-level visit in more than a decade, and according to sources on both sides, the volatile relations between the two countries are now being rebooted. This comes after many ups and downs in the relationship, mostly downs, with President Erdogan using Israel as his private punching bag and attacking it whenever he needed to mobilize his supporters at home. This has all become a thing of the past, at least for now. Erdogan, a stoned Islamic, uh, pulled out all the stops for Herzog's visits, standing at attention as an orchestra played the Hatikva anthem of the Jewish people and lavishing his guests with honors and tributes. Diplomatic cooperation between the two countries Uh, which has been severely downgraded uh, for over a decade, has resumed, including a rapprochement through security channels. Israeli sources tell Al Monitor that since Erdogan started courting the Israeli president as soon as Herzog took office last summer, Turkey has been attentive to most of Israel's requests on security and other matters. Are we on the verge of a renewed honeymoon between Israel and Turkey? Although it's too early to tell, the answer is probably no. Erdogan is not converted to Zionism. What's driving his outreach to Israel is regional interests, politics, and his own personal ambitions. Our guest today served as Israeli ambassador to Turkey and as director general of the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs. He is considered a leading and respected expert on the field of Israel-Turkey ties. Dr. Alon Liel will be here with us right after this short break. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department correspondent at El Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell. I'm El Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it. This past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let El Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to El Monitor's audio series, On the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts along with first-class reporting and analysis. 
Now I'm uh, privileged to uh, welcome here to our show on Israel in Al Monitor, uh, my friend and colleague, former general manager of the Foreign Ministry of Israel, and also a, an ambassador to Ankara, uh, Dr. Alon Liel. Hi, Alon. Thank you for joining us. Shalom. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me. Shalom. Okay, we, we just uh, listened uh, with many Israelis and uh, 115 Knesset members to President Zelensky's uh, uh, speech and address to the Israeli Knesset and public. And actually it was, uh, it was very harsh uh, criticism by Zelensky that said that uh, you, the Ukraine is still waiting for Israel to answer, to help, to supply even ammunition and, uh, and arms and weapons. And he said, in, he compared the, the whole event that he suffers right now to, to scenes uh, that we remember from the World War II and the Holocaust. Uh, what do you think, uh, Dr. Liel, about, uh, on, about this speech? Uh, there is a lot of criticism right now among Israeli politicians uh, on, on the president's uh, th things that he said. I must tell you, Ben, I was very surprised, very surprised. Um, and I think that uh, if the Israeli leadership uh, would uh, imagine that this is what Zelensky is going to say, uh, they wouldn't enable the speech. Uh, uh, he said, in fact, he attacked three things. He attacked the Israeli neutrality and even the Israeli attempt to mediate. He attacked the fact that Israel is not helping him militarily. And he attacked the fact that Israel is not uh, joining the economic sanctions. Now, why was I so surprised? Because we are having a very, very different uh, impression here about the Israeli role in this war. We had the impression uh, during the last three weeks that Ukraine wants us to mediate. The Ukraine asks us to mediate. And, and also, we never heard that they really want uh, directly weapons. We heard about uh, uh, helmets and vests, but not about Iron Dome. And even the, the fact that they, they want us to join the sanctions, uh, economic sanctions was silenced here. So I was surprised because there was a huge gap between uh, what we heard during all the war about the Israeli role, the Israeli position, the Israeli involvement, and between his words. Uh, if you allow me, Ben, I, will, I would add here something uh, based on my uh, diplomatic experience. It happened to me several times, not very often, that uh, when you don't meet a partner directly, uh, you have a big surprise when you enter the room. And especially when, when it's, it's somebody that uh, the media distorts the picture about. And, and here I felt like I, I met somebody that was not allowed to talk to me for three weeks. And, and this was the reason uh, I was so surprised. 
Okay, but I, I have to tell you, I, I spoke later after the speech, I spoke with uh, my sources within the Prime Minister Chambers and they were not surprised. They said to me something like, this is Zelensky. They sent me his speeches, for example, uh, in the, to, the, to the German Bundestag. And he also criticized the, the German behavior and you're uh, uh, scared behind the new wall, et cetera, et cetera. And they also emphasize that uh, whenever Prime Minister Bennett is uh, mediating, it's only to the request uh, of, the, of the Ukrainians. But after having said all that, maybe it's about time to, re, to renegotiate or to rethink or, or to reboot or to reset the Israeli behavior here. Maybe the mediation uh, actually is over. And we have to think about uh, how, uh, where to go uh, on now. Um, I didn't see the speech to the German Bundestag, but I saw the speech to the Congress. He was very, very cautious. He was very, very calculated. And you saw the standing ovation. It was amazing. And here, uh, the, it was not in the Knesset, so we could not see physically the reaction. But we see that our members of Knesset are shocked and definitely disappointed. So it's not that Zelensky is uh, always uh, uh, an embarrassment when he appears and so on. No, no, no. He, he calculated uh, very uh, cautiously, and I think, and he took the risk. This guy is a brave guy. He took the risk and he said, I want to tell you what I really think about it and he, about you and please go and think and give me answers. And in fact, as I understand it, he asked to stop the mediation. And, and I don't think we can go on with the mediation from this stage on after he specifically says, you cannot mediate between bad and good. And we are the good here. And so, uh, so obviously um, we will have to, to change our policy on the mediation. I think he made a mistake about the uh, weapons because uh, we, we were reluctant to give him weapons until now. And the reluctance will grow because now it will look as if we are supplying him arms uh, under his direct pressure, yes. and it will complicate things with Russia. So here maybe he, he went too far. Uh, also with the, Russia, with the economic sanctions, I don't know how Israel will behave. A big question here is if uh, the speech to the Knesset uh, received some international attention, yes. because I'm not sure it received, but it, if it received, it should be a big embarrassment to Israel, and it should increase the pressures of the United States and Europe on Israel to join sanctions and maybe even to supply some uh, arms. Yes, I think we'll be a, a smarter about the, the international uh, reaction a little later. So you actually answered one of my last questions about the Prime Minister Bennett's uh, Russia-Ukraine mediation. You think we, we've had enough of it? But to about a, a, a final question about uh, the arms and, and Zelensky before we go to the Israeli-Turkey affair is uh, what about uh, supplying him 
uh, defensive uh, uh, weapons like helmets, uh, uh, maybe Iron Dome, they want uh, the Iron Dome system. I, I, I understand and I, I guess that you will say the, th the same, we cannot afford ourselves to, to get uh, involved with, with, with the conflict with Russia, uh, as long as they are still here in our northern uh, crucial front. I personally think that uh, we cannot afford staying neutral. Uh, our history is uh, that we are very clearly uh, a part of the West uh, and uh, staying neutral uh, for a long period of time, especially now when the war looks more balanced and it doesn't look as if Russia is going to, to win it in a week or two uh, and to stay neutral between Russia and the Ukraine, especially if Russia will, will end up losing, will be an Israeli mistake. So I think we, we have to recheck our neutrality. Regarding helmets and vests, I think this is the strangest story uh, of the last three weeks. It was clear that they need it and helmets and vests are not military equipment. The more humanitarian or life-saving equipment, the fact that we did not supply it out of our uh, reserves that we definitely have looked strange to me from day one. And I think this we, we exaggerated our, our fears from Russia here, or maybe, maybe during the mediation, uh, Putin simply demanded that we do not do it, because otherwise I can't explain why we didn't uh, send the Ukraines this life-saving equipment. By the way, Iron Dome is different. We developed the Iron Dome with, with Americans. Yes. We probably need a permit. I don't know if they will give we us do. a we permit. Need, we need a permit and we don't know what yeah. the Americans yeah. think. And Okay, so let's go now to your, uh, I think your, uh, the, the, the number one issue that you're an expert in, and uh, we'll talk about Israel and Turkey. And what do you think? How, how would you characterize the Israeli-Turkish romance developing uh, rapidly in recent months? Are we still in the phase of putting out fillers? Is this a one-off, a whim that they will soon fizzle out? Or are we seeing a strategic process that can restore at least some of the once robust alliance between the two countries that you know so well. Yeah. If I'll give you in, a, in two sentences an historical analysis, until uh, 1990 or 1991, until the Madrid conference, we were uh, the side that was clearly running after Turkey, chasing Turkey, trying to convince Turkey to improve relations. And uh, during the 90s, until the 2002-2003, we had a love affair, a very balanced love affair uh, that included everything, uh, security, economics, cultural relations, everything. Now, things have dramatically changed. And uh, during the last 18 months, 
it is Erdogan that is uh, interested and, and really chasing us, trying to convince us to improve relations. And we are the reluctant side. Uh, even this uh, uh, quite impressive hospitality in Ankara uh, of President Herzog uh, was quite one-sided. And uh, when Herzog came back, uh, immediately problems started because we realized from the official announcement uh, of the Turks and our official announcement, and even from the speech of Erdogan and the speech of Herzog, that they are expecting a lot from this uh, uh, remarriage. Or, uh, and, uh, and I don't think we are ready to give them or, or possible to give them, uh, able to give them so much. So uh, I, I expect problems in the next few weeks. Understand. So uh, which leader uh, ate a bigger portion of humble pie during Herzog's uh, visit to Turkey? I think you, you answered it. It was Erdogan. And uh, now actually you're saying that he's not getting what he wanted. So maybe there is a chance to see another attack, Turkish attack, he can, uh, once more, and we are actually, we are, we are used to it from time to time. You know, we, we already apologized to the Turks after the Mavi Marmara affair and paid the uh, $20 million, I, I think, in uh, a compensation fees to the families. And then he suddenly uh, uh, forgot it and, and uh, attacked us once more. Do you think that there are more problems to, uh, to face in the future with him? I think that Erdogan really, really wants to change its Middle Eastern policies, his Middle Eastern policy. He, he realized that he, he gambled on the wrong side. Uh, Israel uh, has the upper end. Israel strengthened its Middle Eastern position. And he, he changed the policy, especially when it comes to Israel and Egypt, he understood that there is a very strong alliance between Israel and Egypt. And he said, I want to be part of it. These are important countries in the region. And, uh, and he really changed the policy. What he cannot change when he's 68 is his character. And uh, I think he stayed impulsive is, uh, and and I, I still expect uh, problems regarding his uh, personal behavior. Now, uh, I think the problems are ahead of us uh, in the very near future. And he expects a, a change in Israeli energy policy. Uh, he wants the gas that we are, uh, producing uh, to go through Turkey to Europe. And we cannot give it to him. It, it's impossible for us. First of all, because uh, we have uh, two customers uh, at the moment, uh, uh, Egypt and Jordan, both at the moment, as things are, more important to us than, than uh, Egypt. And uh, the export to, to Egypt is uh, working well. Uh, some of it can go to Europe 
in a liquefied uh, uh, with liquefied gas and uh, it strengthens the Egyptian economy. It strengthens Sisi, that is our ally on security matters. So first of all, we have uh, how to export gas. Two, we have an agreement with Greece and, and Cyprus that uh, if we have amounts that can go to long-term to Europe, we do it through a pipeline uh, through both these both countries with the uh, Cypriot uh, gas findings, uh, gas amounts. So we cannot have such a U-turn now in our energy policy. And uh, I think uh, his expectations are not realistic because he, he runs Turkish affairs personally and, and he can make this type of U-turns in his policy, like he made now a U-turn toward Israel. But we have a different system and we cannot make such a U-turn. And I expect uh, especially problems around this issue. Um, I knew Because this is the, the main issue. Let's, let's uh, say the truth, uh, the, the gas uh, issue yeah. is one of the, the main interests uh, that drove er Erdogan to, to, to between Herzog's arms. But I want to complete, uh, Dr. Liel, uh, what you just said, because don't forget that the Americans are no longer supporting the East Med pipeline. So I think this uh, channel is already half dead. I'm talking about a, a direct pipeline to, to Cyprus and, and Greece. And maybe as I heard from the decision makers, we can afford ourselves beside the, the gas to Egypt, also to send some gas to the north with a, with a pipeline to Turkey and from there to Europe and maybe to Greece. Anyway, a lot of work, but I totally agree with you. We'll not be able to supply the goods in the near future. It's not a thing that you, you, you are you turning in so fast and then you're totally right about it. Um, I want to ask you, what about Iran? Uh, I, do we have also a mutual interest with Erdogan uh, on the Iranian nuclear deal and the issue and the whole Iranian uh, uh, things, uh, the, the, the activity of the revolutionary guards uh, among Syria, uh, Yemen, etc.? It, do, does Erdogan think as we like we think on this uh, matter? Yeah, uh, this is a key question. But one sentence before we come to the heavy issue of Iran, uh, there is one issue that is uh, burning, burning for the next uh, three weeks. We have to solve it in the next three or four weeks. And this is the exchange of ambassadors. Uh, and here also, he expects this to happen uh, simultaneously with his foreign minister visiting here. And I have the feeling that we are not ready to do it. So we, we still will have problems on the bilateral, but let's go to the regional. And I think here is a huge opportunity, huge opportunity especially with this war between Russia and Ukraine that can still change many things, uh, even in, in our region. And I know, I know that uh, sometimes politicians and even diplomats are stuck with the burning issues. And when the burning issues are not being solved, we can 
come to a crisis. But with Turkey, with the Turkish, the Turkish readiness and willingness to create a strategic dialogue, I think we should jump directly into the strategic dialogue and bypassing the energy problem that we cannot solve at the moment, and then open all the cards. I, I remember we had, we had wonderful years with the Turks, and we had a strategic dialogue twice a year, once in Ankara and once in Jerusalem. And it was two days in which we jumped from one country to the other. And this is what we have to do now. We have to sit on Iran, to sit on Libya, to sit on Syria. And I'm sure, and on Egypt, Egypt is extremely important to Erdogan. And we can, at the moment, I'll say a, a strong word, we can almost deliver Egypt to Turkey at the moment with the close ties we have with the Egyptians. So I think if we open the cards, by the way, also Saudi Arabia and the Emirates, I think Erdogan is ready for a, a big change in the Turkish direction in the region that will put him in the moderate camp. Although he's uh, Islamist and, and although he has a long border with Iran and uh, it's very difficult for him to clash with Iran, I think he is ready to jump to the Saudi, Egyptian, Israeli, Jordanian camp. Now, this is very important for us if we can achieve it. And if, if we can see that this can happen and his change of policy can further isolate the Iranians, then we might be able to do things that we didn't plan to do. And this is, and build a deal, a deal with him. But I think if we take only the narrow approach of his two demands at the moment, let's exchange ambassadors and give me promise for the gas, we will be stuck. It's fascinating, uh, uh, these, <laughs> these examples and uh, these advices. I want to ask you finally, go back to the global arena, uh, maybe uh, the, the, the macro picture, and ask you about what lessons do you think Israel should draw from the war in Europe? On the one hand, the world has shown that it has little tolerance for military aggression against innocent civilians. On the other hand, Israel's capabilities have become a strategic asset for countries that are increasingly aware of the security threats they face and are trying to beef up their strength against cruel aggression. What do you think Israel should learn from what we see in Europe right now? Of course, you are, you are living here, Ben, and you hear that we should draw our conclusion that then we can rely only on ourselves and so on. But this was our policy already 50, 40 exactly. years ago. We understood it and we planned our future accordingly. We are today a strong country, militarily, technologically, economically, and even diplomatically. And uh, uh, our situation cannot be compared to the Ukraine. Uh, we, we became, uh, and if you would ask me if it's possible 20 years ago, I would say it's impossible, but we became a regional power. 
and we are still behaving as if we are the small uh, vulnerable country of 30 years ago. And you know, when you, when you start speculating on what will happen between Russia and Ukraine, uh, especially now when Russia, uh, Russia's performance doesn't look good, you, people will always say, but he has the nuclear weapon. So uh, you also know uh, what we might have according to international media. So our situation is very different. We became a, a power uh, in the region that to my great surprise uh, is, is even uh, popular uh, in Arab circles. Uh, and uh, we see, we see uh, the picture, the map of our diplomatic relations uh, in the Middle East and its potential to be expanded even without uh, solving the problem with the Palestinians. So our dynamics is very, very different and it's uh, based a lot on our big economic and technological success and military success and homeland security success uh, in the last 15 years. You help me restore my optimism, uh, Ambassador Dr. Alon Liel. Thank you very much for this uh, a very interesting uh, talk. Toda raba, Alon, and uh, we will be right back with you after this uh, short break for some final thoughts. Thank you, Alon. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and Normal Sup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Al Monitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. Thank you for staying with us. Dr. Alon Liel, former general manager of the Foreign Ministry Office uh, and former ambassador, Israeli ambassador to uh, Ankara in Turkey, was uh, surprised from the harsh uh, criticism, even we can, uh, we can say attack, that uh, President Zelensky uh, just now, right now, launched on the Israeli lawmakers in his speech short and uh, an aggressive speech uh, through Zoom to the Knesset. He said that uh, if the Israeli government would have known in advance uh, that this is what uh, President Zelensky is going to say, maybe they wouldn't uh, even en enable the president uh, to speak in the parliament. Uh, Dr. Oliel said that maybe the, the president's uh, criticism is a sign that Israel has to uh, regroup or uh, reset or rethink the Israeli mediation between uh, the Zelensky and Putin, uh, the Ukraine and Russia. 
Uh, on the general issue, he said that Israel cannot afford itself to stay neutral. It uh, could be an historic uh, a mistake staying uh, exactly in the midway, in the middle between these two uh, enemies right now in Europe. According to uh, Dr. Liel, Israel uh, exaggerated with the fear uh, from Russia and from the Russian uh, reaction if it will uh, stand more on the side of uh, in the side of the Ukraine, and uh, it's obvious we cannot supply the Ukraine weapons and even not Iron Dome because it's not a sole Israeli project or product. We have a, to get the permission of the Americans, but we can supply uh, helmets or uh, bulletproof vests. It's totally humanitarian and life-saving, and we have to uh, to rethink about this uh, also. Then uh, we move to, 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 to speak about Turkey, and, and uh, Dr. Alon Liel is, uh, I think, the number one Israeli expert on this issue. Uh, and he said that uh, we had a few uh, historic uh, periods with Turkey. Until uh, 1991, the, the peace uh, uh, summit in Madrid, Israel was chasing Turkey and trying to convince Turkey to... Uh, to uh, we have more uh, intensive relationship, uh, etc. Uh, but then uh, we came to a, in the 90s, all over the 90s, uh, it was a balanced love affair, as he said. And uh, we were on, almost partners, almost in everything the, the security issue, economy, uh, uh, diplomatic, uh, and, uh, and all the other issues, there was an alliance between Israel and Turkey. Then, of course, came uh, the, the Erdogan uh, era, and it was totally different. But in the last uh, 18 months, Erdogan, President Erdogan, is the one to chase, to chase Israel, and we, Israel, are reluctant, on the reluctant side. And uh, he agreed, Dr. Oliel agreed, that it was a very successful visit by President Herzog to Turkey, but when Erzo came back, problems started to emerge. Right now, uh, he thinks that uh, the Turks are waiting or, or expecting too much uh, from Israel, and he is not sure that Israel can supply the goods. For example, the gas issue. Israel cannot U-turn suddenly all its gas strategy just because Erdogan decided that he wants Israeli gas. And uh, on another issue, he said that uh, the, uh, President Erdogan wants uh, to exchange uh, ambassadors simultaneously within a few weeks when his foreign minister will come to a visit here in Jerusalem. And uh, Dr. Riel is not sure that Israel is ready for it yet. Uh, in summary, Dr. Riel is uh, convinced that uh, President Erdogan wants to be a, a part of, uh, for example, the Israeli-Egyptian alliance. He wants to be in the side of the moderate uh, states and maybe the alliance between Saudi Arabia and the Emirates and Israel and Jordan uh, against uh, the Shiite axis. But his character was not changed and we can expect anything from him, especially if he will hear that we cannot change just like that the, the, the Israeli policy on gas. A very good advice that he gave our decision makers is not to go to, to, to the specifics and not 
try to dive and solve the gas, uh, the net, uh, natural gas uh, question, but try to go to the to the grand approach, uh, the grand picture, not the narrow approach, and try to do whatever we had uh, with Turkey during the 90s. And he told us about uh, the, the, the Israeli-Turkish uh, strategic dialogue that went very well through the 90s. The meetings were taking place twice a year uh, for two or three days. Uh, uh, very uh, senior uh, messengers from both sides were sitting and talking about everything. Uh, moving from state to state, uh, Iran and Egypt and Palestinians and everything, all the, the geopolitics of the Middle East and, and, the, and, and above. And it's, it's a good idea to go there with, with the Turks because he is convinced that Erdogan wants to change his policy in the Middle East. And this is a very good chance that we have now an opportunity to reset everything. I hope you uh, enjoyed it and I hope to meet you here next week, next time, next place. Thank you. I'm Ben Kaspi from Tel Aviv. Take care and bye-bye.